Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by friends of the podcast, Axis Forestry. Axis Forestry is changing the game when it comes to processor heads. Their new Rebel T22 HD is available now, and guys, it's an absolute beast. You know Axis Forestry as the processor experts, and they've gone above and beyond when designing the Rebel T22 HD. High quality steel, high torque motors, contactless magnetic sensors, easy hose routing, the list goes on. Oh, and did I mention? All Rebels come with the Cypress measuring system. The Cypress system is the number one reason people are making the switch to Rebel heads. It's easy to use, reliable, spot on measuring every time. You should expect more from your processor head. You can order your new Rebel now directly from Axis Forestry or through your local dealer. Okay, so now I'm recording. We'll play the intro and we'll do it right. <laughs> Take two. Take three. <laughs> Take three, dude. Uh. Welcome to The Landing, the podcast that goes into the brush with foresters, contract loggers, and operators of the Pacific Northwest timber industry. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Davenport, for the third try today. On with Denny Nickelman from South Fork Forest Solutions. How you doing, buddy? Still good? Good. How are you doing, Jason? <laughs> I am doing good now that we're recording. So, I, you know, it's just the way my day's going today. Hey, third time's the charm, man. Right. So, uh... I want to do this the right way this time uh how you're about my age aren't you how old are you i'm 23 23 so you're 10 years younger than i am actually yeah okay i get a lot of flack for being a younger guy in the industry <laughs> i bet you do dude and that's kind of the reason i wanted to bring you on too like how'd you get into it like grew up around it so how i started on the industry i've been in the industry my entire life my dad was in an industry his dad his dad so on so forth so my dad was in the industry as a timber faller truck driver uh he did a little bit of everything so as a like little kid i'd go out with him and my mom on weekends when he'd be out cutting and i'd go up to logging camp hang out with him up there and um when i turned about 13 my dad's like he always told me he never wanted me in the woods and it seems like that's how every logger's fucking parent is They're like i don't want you in the woods yeah. So my dad's like, I don't want you in the woods. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I want to go in the woods, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, I'm going to take you out. And you're going to pack gas for me. He's just like, that's what my dad did when he broke me in. And I'm like, okay. He didn't think he's going to break me off by doing it. Well, I went out and packed gas for him my, my 13, when I was 13 years old. My summer, I was out for the summer out of school. I uh, went out there, started doing that. Fell in love with it, started learning how to beat wedges, right, how to limit buck. And then ever since then, I was just, every summer I had have out of school, I started going out with him more and more and more and picking up more of the trades, started learning how to fall more, how to run equipment more and stuff. And uh, a lot of the uh, success from my uh, my story, I can pay to a man that I I can't say his name because he kind of tries to stay low on the radar, but uh, he's out of Sonora, California. He uh, took me under his wing. He'd throw me in the heel boom, stack of firewood with the heel boom, and take me in the cat, and basically taught me everything I needed to know. And then uh, when I got out of high school, he, um, I called him and was like, hey, can I, can I get a job? And he's like, yeah. And he hired me out right out of high school to go work for him. So I went to work for him for most of my career now until, like, last year. Uh, I was running a processor for him, a bunch of... Uh, loading logs, cutting timber. I cut timber for him for a, two years straight. And then, uh, no, it was actually three or Yeah, it was about three years straight. And then on and off, cutting timber for him through that whole period of time. So you got a pretty good, <clears throat> like, wide variety of experience uh, doing just about all of it. Yeah, well, he always kind of, him and my dad always kind of beating my head very hardly, like, don't don't be just good at one thing you can be good at one thing but you're going to learn to hate that one thing and <laughs> yeah some people look some people look at it as a, a bad thing some people look at it as a good thing i look at it as i would rather be good at multiple things or half out decent at multiple things 
where people are like, damn, you're 23 years old and you can do all that. I don't believe you. You're a young, dumb kid. And you often a processor and you're sitting there cutting log lengths all day. And they're like, damn, you can actually spit the wood. You go hop in a bunch or you go cut, you go cut 800 trees a day or whatever you can. And they're like, wow, you can actually do it. Right. So what's the timber type like down there? So you guys are in the North Fork of California. You said earlier, that's kind of before the mics heated up or whatever. Uh, it's kind of like dead center in California. Like what kind of timber do you guys have down there? We have a lot of like white fir, red fir, a lot of ponderosa pine, a lot of cedar. And it's just, it's a mix of variety. There's a little bit of tamarack when you start going up in the higher countries. Gotcha. But for the most part, we kind of just deal with a lot of like pine and a lot of fir. Okay. Gotcha. So kind of like up here. Yeah, kind of like there. We just, we have a little, how you guys' timber is up there is a, I, I, it's my dream to be a buncher operator up there because the, you guys' timber is just murders. Like it's just you can go out there and just kill trees all day, right? And it's like around here, you kind of got to have a hand cutter around a lot more. There's a lot of bigger timber, and you guys have a lot more green sales up there. Down here, we're kind of in a battle with a lot of the red tape around here of just trying to get in and to get a lot of these green sales that aren't burned or that need to be properly thinned or something to be managed of. Gotcha. So you guys are doing a lot of burnt wood stuff. Well, so right when my career started was like the last years of the good, like green sales logging. Like there's still guys out there that get a lot of green sales. We get green sales here and there, but the company I'm with now, the South Fork, we're doing right now, we're doing a fuel reduction job. It's a logging fuel reduction job up in Sequoia National Park in a trail of 100 Giants. And Sick. we're just basically going around cutting all the dead hazardous trees and, and cutting all the fuel away from like all these giant sequoias that so that way they're safe for the public. They're safe for everybody. If there is a fire, the firefighters can get in there and just put suppression on it as fast as possible. Gotcha. And so how does that work? Like you don't have to answer or whatever if you don't know the specifics, but like I would imagine that dead you know, understory type of fuels reduction stuff. There's not a whole lot of merchantable wood in that. Or are you so, still getting like saw logs and pulp logs and all that stuff out of it too? So it's a hit and miss in the sales. Like a lot of the sales you're going to get around here, you're going to have biomass, but a lot of them, they, they do pull out a lot of saw logs from it. Okay. So that's they're like, how hey, they're paying nope. to do all the work then. Yeah, that's okay. in a sense, yes. So how they're setting it up in my, and how I've seen is they're looking at it as a sense of, hey, if we put this plantation that's all going to be biomass sent off to the junk mill, we might as well throw in this, this unit of good timber that's going to be saw logs that's going to pay out for the loggers or pay out to whoever's going to pay for it. Right. No, that makes sense, dude, because like, I've been pretty active on like the local – community watch facebook pages and stuff uh since these fires have been raging down here and it's um you know everyone's like oh you know we need to clean out the underbrush in the forest and i'm like yeah we need to but you have to make it somehow valuable for these companies to come in because like you can't move in three million dollars of equipment and burn 600 gallons of fuel a day and you know take out the understory if you if there's no way to get paid to for the work, right? You, you see what I'm saying? Like, so that's why I was asking, like, there's gotta be merchantable timber in there or it wouldn't be, um, economically feasible for you guys to be working in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And it's like the only other way they're possibly can get away with doing that is like, we've done a couple of jobs where they pay us by the acre to do stuff when it's a lot of like mastication work or hand piling and stuff. Cause we have a crew that comes down to hand piling and we have, uh, the buncher I run has a masticating head and we have one of those prime tech uh, masticators. Okay. And so, cause a lot of, a lot of the stuff that's turning out around here is logging up there is logging around here. You kind of have to be a utility tool, like a Swiss army knife of logging around here in my eyes. Yeah. If you can offer like, Hey, we're going to come in we can log the timber. And then after we log the timber, we can go through and clean up all these skid trails and all these runways of all them and masticate it all and make it look like a beautiful park. And guess what? A fire rips through there. 
they can have they can stop that. That can be their contingency line right there. They stop it right then and there. Yeah, dude, that's um, that's pretty rad though. It's neat. Well, it rad, neat, whatever. Uh, it's interesting and different than up here, I guess I could say. Uh, it's cool because you guys are still getting the work right, but it's also interesting how California has kind of started doing this work right where um a lot of the national forests up here i think they're still a little gun shy and a little afraid of uh these timber sales being tied up in litigation for four years like every time they are you know what i mean so it's like it's neat to see that california is making some progress in that direction you know yeah because that was the big the big feat with a lot of people wanting and it's a hard thing to, a lot of people think of like getting into logging around here is there's no money in it there's no there's no promise work it's like no matter what there's not gonna there's never promise work regardless yes but in the aspect is if you're a good logger you do clean work and you take like you have to look at it from a perspective if you're a guy that goes out there and just cuts the trees and makes it look like garbage you're not going to be wanted out there you're putting a bad name on the logging aspect yeah, if you I mean, go out there looking the at it, here with that too, though. Yeah, and it's like we're loggers are stewards of the forest. Like we go out, like we're not just out there for work. Like we go out there, we go hunting, we go fishing, we go ride motorcycles out there. Like we do other things out there. Like we love the woods. That's why we're out there all day for fourteen hours a day, right. however long. That's why we're getting up at three o'clock in the morning, tying our boots, and walking out the door, going to the woods. Yeah, dude, it's just um, that's wild. So I guess. I thought you guys mostly just were logging. I didn't realize you're doing all like the fuels reduction type of work. So like what is, I guess the main, main work you guys do uh, at South Fork? Is it, you know, your logging outfit that does all this other stuff. Cause it's all kind of part of the timber sales or how does that work? Like, so what we do here at South Fork is we do a little bit of all of it. Like we try to, we try to keep our boat open for everything. So we try to make ourselves a one-stop shop where we can just go through and we can handle it all at once ourselves and get it done. My boss, JB, he's, he's a brilliant man of how he runs his company. He's, he's built his company from very small to very big now. And it's, and it's growing every day. And it's, it's really cool to see it because of how we do stuff is we go into these projects and, we get these timber sales and the timber sales that we get, we can go through and we can cut all the trees. We do the mastication and then we do the final product and the forest service is completely happy with it. Instead of having to hire a Jippo to come out and then we go through log the timber, another Jippo come out, do all the piling, another guy come out and do all the masticating and then so on and so forth. So it allows us to have many wheelhouses open of opportunities to do for work. Yeah, that's cool. That is pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense, though, too, dude. Like, uh, being able to do it all, you know, it's probably a little better incentive, too, for you guys to get the work. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing here is, like, a lot of loggers, like, around here is the snow flies, you're out of work. Right. You're you're, you're wrenching on equipment in the wintertime, and you're doing little meaningful, like, little urban logging jobs to just kind of get through the winter keep you guys on payroll here. It's like, it's, it's cool because we have all these opportunities to where, Oh no, we're rained out here on this job. Well, we got this other job that we can move equipment to tomorrow and we can start masticating or we can start standing on this job. That's cool. So <clears throat> on a typical like timber sale, like you're doing right now, the fuels reduction stuff, like what is the scope of work on that? Like, can you kind of take me through like what all you exactly are doing on, on that job? So the scope of work we're doing on this Sequoia job right now is it's mostly a fuels reduction job fully. So what we're doing is we're going through the windy fire went through and burned all this a couple of years back. Uh, I can't give you data on it exactly because oh, I good. can't remember. But but um, so the windy fire went through and burned. So it's just it's a lot of bug killed trees that are all brown and they just and it's all a lot of plantation areas. So they'd gone through and they planted all these trees and they had burned up and then the bark beetle moved in, had killed all these trees off. So now they're like, well, we need to do something about this. So we're going through now. I'm going through with a bunch of first cutting 
Creek is bundling it up, and then we're going through, pulling into the landing, and then the landing guys are sorting through them. Some logs are going to the Terabella sawmill, and then our biomass, they go to uh, Terabella, but they have a different biomass mill for that stuff. And then the rest of the junk we're piling, and then the finished product is after all the mechanical equipment is gone through and done, we have a hand crew come in behind us and then they do completely like clean, beautiful park work. Like it just, it looks so like it just, it's beautiful after the finished product. And it looks like we're never there. Like track marks are raked out. Water bars are perfect. Everything just looks oh, wow. clean. looks like we're never even there. Huh? Well, I have to say this cause people will think I'm getting soft if I don't, but you just can't beat a good hand finish sometimes. You really can't. But so, <laughs> anyways, that's, anyways. Um, so, when you're all done, you get a hand crew in there. They're hand piling what's left of the slash, and then they're burning that, and then they just rake everything smooth to make it look like no one was there. Essentially, yeah. We have a 527 cat with a brush rake. So, oh, that gotcha. kind of does pretty that does a lot of the nice finished cleanup and so it looks pretty good after that and then the hand crew goes through behind it and and after they get done with it it just it looks like we're never even there oh i bet yeah especially if they're like raking out the the track marks and stuff you would never be able to tell oh yeah no we there's a crew we have a crew guys that's like there's like 24 or 30 guys on a crew that just go through and that's all they do all day they have like a Handful of them are cutters that just go through with chainsaws and cutters, and then the rest of them are pilers, and they just run through and they pile everything. Those guys are phenomenal. That's cool, dude. I used to do that when I was a kid, work for my dad. That works, dude. I, I give those guys a lot of props. And anybody who's done that work, dude, that's, that's hard work. That's tough work. Like, I, I'd pick cutting timber any day over doing that. Oh, stuff. yeah, dude. Oh man, I remember one spring break I was out with him and uh, I was a kid, you know, I was, I was maybe 15 or 16, I was working for him and uh, it was kind of a late winter kind of year, dude, and there's like six inches of snow on the ground, we had a couple days left on this unit to get it hand piled and I'm like, you know, I don't know if there's very many things that are worse to do for a living than hand piling brush in the snow. Because it was like, oh no, I could not keep my fingers warm, you know what I mean? But, There's no pair of gloves out there in the world that can be that waterproof for that long. <laughs> no, dude. Um, well, and it's crazy, too. Like, even just hand piling, right? There's so much that goes into that that no one even thinks about. Like, it all has a spec, right? So, um, I remember, you know, back when I used to do it, a lot of that would be, like, down to a one-inch diameter, you know, anything smaller than that you could leave on the ground, but anything bigger than that that was over three feet long had to be put in a pile, you know what I mean? So it's like there's a lot of, like, science, I guess, behind all of that, you know, what you can leave uh, for small slash that will melt down into the into the dirt in a shorter span of time, right? And I think primarily what we were doing it for was to prep the area for planting, but it doesn't sound like they're going to go through and replant where you guys are at. Oh, actually, no, they are. So oh, that's they are. the thing is, yeah, so after we're done, they'll wait about a year to two years, possibly. I don't even think they wait two years, actually. But not don't uh, don't fact check me on that yet, quite yet. I don't know how long they wait, but I know they wait a certain amount of time, and then they have a crew of people that come through, and they replant everything. And the areas that are that were just completely, like, it was all dead trees and the dead standing timber, they'll go through, and they'll replant that whole area to where it's, it's regrowing so that way oh, we have sick. regen and repopulation yeah. freeze okay no that makes more sense because like you're saying the burned areas i was thinking you know cleaning around the big sequoias and stuff maybe they wouldn't have but uh in the burn oh, yeah, no, totally the, makes sense around the big sequoias they won't because their main priority is to keep the sequoias safe because those are monuments of time and stuff so we have there's different scopes of work in the different areas we're in. Like, there's an area I'm in right now with a bunch of that there's no sequoias around me, so I just, they're going to go through and probably replant the whole area. Gotcha. And a lot of that stuff you're in right now, then you, so you're just clear cutting everything so it's safe for the, the planters and the hand crews to get in there? Yeah. Well, it's all dead and dying timber, and they're like, well, we might as well pull this timber out while it's still merchantable. And we're like, yeah. 
lot of these smart ideas. So they're pulling out while it's still merging before it rots out, and then they'll go through and replant where there's repopulation, and then there's proper spacing of everything and everything yeah. is clean and that's cut. cool, man. No, I think uh, I think that's a good thing, dude. Like um, this fire that we have out here by our house right now it burned back into a previous fire scar on, on the national forest. Right. And one of the problems they're having was trying to get crews in there because the last fire that burnt, they never did shit about anything afterwards. So it's literally just a giant snag patch of like fire killed trees that have been rotting for four years. So it's like, that's not very smart. You can't even get, like it's not even legal to put people on the ground in there as far as OSHA is concerned you know what I mean so it's like it's nice to hear that California the one of the more ass backwards states in the country is actually going through and fire salvaging and replanting the land dude yeah no I think that's the cool thing about here is like California does have a lot of downfalls and everything and like I'm not going to tell anybody different like everybody has their own aspect and looks at everything I like it here because it's my like I live here. This is my livelihood here. Everything's here. I'd love to go other places and do it, but I love my I love here. Yeah, I but get that. California is is starting to release like they're starting to realize more and more like, hey, these loggers aren't just assholes. I want to go out there and just murder the forest. Yep. So like these guys actually want to go through and actually take care of the forest. They want to properly thin. We want to properly take care of our forest for our future generations. My kids, kids, my kids have. We have a beautiful forest for them to look at. We're not just looking at a bunch of moonscape black trees. Preach, brother. That's all I got to say. I've been on this. <laughs> it's just been, I've been on this battle, right? With um, all the local like Facebook community watch pages and stuff. And it's nice to talk to somebody that is like, dude, why not? You know, I mean, everyone in the industry kind of looks at it that way, but, and I really talk a lot more shit about California than I probably should, but cause like Oregon's not far behind with very much stuff from California. You know what I mean? Like politically at least, but, uh, it's just, wild. it's cool. It's cool to hear that you guys are doing that work, man. It's cool. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Like, yeah, there's a lot of political problems, but I'm just, I'm happy that because growing up, everybody told me that the logging industry is dying. The logging industry is dying. I'm just happy that as I'm staying in the logging industry, that it's continued to stay steady, and people are steady. They're starting to open their eyes and starting going, "Hey, like, take some handle of this. Let's grab the bull by the horns while we still have a fighting chance." And to where we're not losing homes, we're not losing stuff forests, we're not losing animals. That we still have all these beautiful green forests that we're known for is these beautiful green forests and all the mountains and stuff. Like Oregon, Oregon's known for all the beautiful green trees there. Yep. So yeah, like, dude, I just really relate to what you're saying too about how, you know, the state is how it is, but you love living where you're at because that's where you're born and raised. I feel exactly the same way, like about the Willamette Valley or where I'm from, dude. It's like I could move, I could leave, you know, but like this is my home, man, and I love it around here. So I could definitely yeah. relate to that. Yeah, it's like I, I went and tramped around Idaho and stuff, and it was like it was cool, but it, it wasn't me. It it wasn't home. It's nice to be able to go somewhere and be like, hey, like it feels good doing work in your hometown and your home area, feeling like you're doing something for the, the place that you're living in to try to make it better. Right. I get that. I I really felt that way um, when I was doing the photo and video work that I did on the hazard tree cleanup up the McKenzie. Cause like I grew up running around up there, dude. Like I could take you for a whole day at least, you know, just show you like, Oh yeah, we used to come up here and fuck around or I almost wrecked my truck on this corner. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid and, and, uh, it just felt like I had a purpose when I was up there, you know, like, uh, I didn't really do much. I just took photos and made a couple of videos, but like it was cool to be a part of that project. Cause it was, you know, that's like where I grew up running around. It's my old stomping grounds, man. So it's just, uh, it sucked to see it all burned up. You know, there's a lot of places that 
I wanted to take my daughter, you know, and share those spots with her. And I think maybe by the time she's big enough, they'll be pretty greened up again. But it's uh, it's wild how fire will change the landscape. Yeah, man. No, and I completely relate to what you just said. Yes, we had that uh, that oak fire popped off last year, and it, it burned. It did it didn't air. It did Sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> it decimated a, a bunch of people's houses and like a lot of the areas like I worked in and a lot of the areas like I had like rode dirt bikes in and went rode horses in and went hunting in like it was my main hunting ground. Right. And when it burned up, I'm right. like, dude, this is like a piece of my childhood burning up. Like this is wild. It's like the Jersey Dale area burned up. And I'm like, dude, like I did a lot of hunting up here. Like this is wild. Yeah, it's nuts, man. And but you know, it's such as life. You got to keep moving and keep moving forward. But it's uh, it's pretty cool to see everything starting to come back. You know, homes are getting rebuilt, trees are getting planted and growing. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of cool to see the rebound up there. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Axis Forestry. I want to ask everybody a question out there. You guys that run processors for a living, right? What's your number one problem with your head you're always running up against? Computer issues, right? Axis Forestry has the solution to that issue, the Cypress Measuring System. The Cypress System is the most reliable measuring system on the market. It's easy to install, simple to use, and it's extremely precise measuring every time. The Cypress System can be retrofit into any brand of processing head. Upgrade to Cypress and say hello to uptime. Still there, bud? Still there. Oh, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you said you guys run a buncher with a masticator. What's that set up? So we have a Timber Pro, I believe it's a 735Z, I believe. <laughs> uh, I look at pictures. I, I, I run the thing every day, and I can't remember the, the, year, or the number on it for <laughs> right. some reason. But, um. We have that with a quad come masticating head on it, and it does really well. I, I, I don't like running the masticating head on it, but I do it because I do whatever it takes to make the money or whatever it takes to make my boss happy. But we got that machine, and it, it does really well. It'll eat, a, it'll eat a full 24-inch tree like nothing. Oh, really? That's rad. Yeah, no, it does pretty good. And then the, uh, the buncher setup we have on it, we just have a quad, another quad co head on it. Run like a 24-inch uh, hot saw then, or? Yeah, I just got a 24 inch hot saw on gotcha. it. Gotcha. So, does that masticating get boring though? See, that's the part that kind of like I get bored of or get tired of is the boring aspect of it. Like, it's boring in a sense at the beginning of it because you're like, dude, I'm just I'm going back and forth all day, just grinding, grinding, grinding. But it's it's pretty well paid off at the end of the day when you get out of your machine, you look behind you and you look what you just did, and you're like, dude, that looks really good. Like, holy shit, that looks really damn good. That's right. So, so it, like, it, what kind of vegetation are you masticating, or is it the burnt areas, and it's just all the small slash? So it, it just depends on the area. So if there's something that we'll do that's like a fuel reduction break, to where we just go through and it's a lot of manzanita, brush brush, just like undergrowth, like little junky bushes and stuff, and then like the tinier undergrowth or like the region of the trees, the cedar trees and stuff, and the oak trees. So that's a lot of the stuff we'll masticate. And then a lot of the slash that we create from like the timber fallers going through and cutting the limbs off the trees or the tops breaking out or when a bunch of goes through and cuts the trees and the tops break out or something breaks out, limbs break out, whatever. So where the finished product just looks like just a mulched out part. That's sick. Dude, how much can you masticate like in a regular day in just regular old scrub brush? Like quite a bit. Can you get quite a bit done? Um, You can do probably about like seven seven to like six to seven acres with a masking head and good ground no rock and just bush like if there's just nothing but bushes you you can haul ass with it oh that's wild dude because the only time i've ever been around those masticators they're on like skid steers yeah and it's like they do work right but i don't think they're getting the flow like a buncher would be to a masticator head well, the thing of it is, is because I always thought the same thing, because I never ran one before until, like, a couple years back. And then when I hopped on, I'm like, dude, this is a total night and day difference from running one of those, like, get through ones. Because 
they have to spin that hot rod at constant speed. You'd think that, oh, it's going to spin the same thing. With that mass king head, it spins that thing at a constant speed. It, it, it won't slow down unless you make it slow down. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And then we have one of those PrimeTech um, masticators. It's one of the full bolt, like, track masticators, not like a skidster one. Yeah. And that, that thing eats, too. Do you know which model is, like a PT-300 or whatever? Yeah, it's a PT-300. Okay. Those things are sick, too. I still want to see one work because I watched um, – I've seen a, one of the Raptor – what are those – God, I forget the manufacturer. Oh, I've seen that on your Instagram. Yeah, the Raptor 600, dude. That thing, they were laying like short log loads in this road on a right-of-way. And he would just go over them like three times and it was all just chipped. And I was like, "Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a trip to watch those things work. Hell, if you want to come take some pictures of one, you can come up to California one day. <laughs> dude, I'd be happy to come down there. We'll have to talk about that after the show. Yeah, that for sure. Um, so you're a younger guy, and you know you said you usually get some flack for being younger and actually have to prove yourself everywhere you go. Um, are you like one in a million down there, or you got a bunch of a bunch of guys you work with that are your age are out there killing it too, or what's that looking like down there where you're at? So the guys that uh, a lot of the so like I said with logging around here, like logging has a with a lot of the younger generation this year around like my generation, I can't even say the younger generation cause it's my generation. Right. Nobody really looks at logging and like, there's a way to like to make money or do good in it. And I'm fortunate enough the way I was brought into it was I was brought in by the old assholes that you thought they were dickheads at first. And then you look back in the past and you're like, dude, those old men taught me the way I am right now. And it's the reason why I'm the way I am. And a lot of the guys that work for this outfit, they're all hardworking guys. Like, they're all my age and a little bit older. And the guy who owns the company is, like, I think he's probably about your age. Oh, gotcha. And, uh, and uh, so, like, my best friend, Justin Hamilton, he's one of my cutting partners. And uh, he's also, like, he's tramped around me everywhere I've gone on logging aspects and stuff. And he's the same way as me. And we just, it's just, it's, and around here, it's just, it's hard for certain people to do the work. So it's like when you can find those guys that are brought into the industry that are hardworking and then the newer generation that wants to just grind their teeth. And like you guys are talking about with the one with the axe contract and you want to eat that shit sandwich and yeah. go to work every day and do it. Those are the kids that are going to make it in the logging industry because you have to have that want to wake up in the morning at three o'clock and go to work. And around here it's hard to find it but if you can find it it's it's it always pays off when you can find those guys dude that's kind of my point with it too is because i talk to a lot of people and they're like none of these kids want to work and it's like you know i know quite a few kids that are out there every day fucking killing it man you know and you're not quite like the freshest generation to be hitting the workforce anymore, but you're still usually lumped in by a lot of people as a kid. And so that's one of the reasons I want to have you on is because your perspective is going to be a little bit different than mine, right? Like I got a family now. So a lot of guys kind of look at me as like, Oh, well this, this kid, you know, but all the time these guys are like, all oh, these goddamn millennials don't even want to work. And I'm like, bro, I'm a millennial and I like, you know, I mean, I'm doing the best I can to make the most out of everything. And I know there's a lot of kids my age and younger that are just still trying to kill it every day. It sounds like you are. And I just don't understand. I mean, maybe there's a couple of bad apples that ruin it for everybody, but I get kind of tired of hearing that, you know, that nobody wants to work anymore and this and that. And it's like, yeah, maybe people don't want to work for assholes anymore, but I know quite a few young guys that want to want to make the most out of life, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the whole problem anymore. Like, with anybody wanting to work, is like, you can go fine, but everybody's so, like... The problem is, is the way people are getting brought up anymore is they're just they're being pampered too much. Like, they can't they can't be five feet away from their phone. They can't be out of service all day. They can't, they can't be out of service because their girlfriend's texting them every five minutes. Where are you at? Who are you with? They can't go do this. They can't go do all this stuff. And it's like, 
the kids that want to do it, they want to grind their teeth. They want to be the kids that sitting out there choking in the dirt, grabbing the saw and going out and bumping knots. They want to be that kid setting chokers. They want to be the kid that's like, hey, I don't know how to do that, but I want to learn how to do it. Yeah. They're the kids that are going to be like, they want to ask a million questions. Even if they look like a dumbass, they're asking the questions so they learn. They want to know. Yeah, they don't and want to screw shit up because they didn't ask. Yeah, they'd rather just, hey, I'd rather piss you off by asking you than piss you off by doing a completely ass backwards. <laughs> right. No, dude, so that's, it's like, that's uh, the biggest. It's funny. But yeah, you, no, that's just the biggest fight. Yeah. It's tough, man. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of people that, like you're saying, got to be on the phone, you know, because their girlfriend this or that. It actually uh, reminds me of a story one time, dude. I was working construction, right? We were working with this guy. We called him Bubbles because he looked like Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> and uh, this dude wanted to be a welder so bad, right? Like, we're welding down these embeds in this concrete to these columns, and it the concrete guy screwed it up. So the embeds were like three eighths of an inch lower than the height of the concrete. So they're just full. It's like welding in a water puddle basically to get everything tacked up. And we told him, dude, like, Hey, go get that backpack blower. You can blow it all the water off. Then you can tack it. Right. And we'll, we'll let you tack the columns up. And he's like, Oh, sick, dude. Like, he was pumped, right? But every time we'd be like, oh, no, this dude down the road a little ways would kick the ground clamp off or whatever and be like, oh, dude, the ground fell off. So he'd run down there, and, like, me or one of the other guys would just hold the stinger down on the embed for when he went to hook the ground back up. Every time it would light him up, dude. Just shock the (laughs) shit out of him, you know what I mean? But, like, he was one of those guys that he had the intestinal fortitude to make it, but he was always like getting controlled by his girlfriend. You know what I mean? He's just like, oh, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm like, bro, you just went 15 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just like, don't know. There's a time and a place. And it's like, that was my biggest thing is like, cause being so young and everything, like I go to work and I'd have buddies and stuff that would go to work with me. Cause I had a skitter operator. that was the same age as me on another job. And, he went to work one day and I could tell something's wrong with him. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with him? He's told me my girlfriend are fighting. I'm like, hey, dude, leave that shit in the pickup. Yeah. I'm like, as soon as we get on this job, leave that shit in the fucking pickup. Yeah. Well, uh, well I'm going to think about it all day in the chat. I'm like, dude, just leave it in the pickup. Why? Because, dude, that's going to hurt. That's going to get you killed. That's going to get somebody else killed. That's going to hurt somebody. It's like, I leave my phone. Like, my phone will stay in the bunker, but I have my phone on airplane mode. I don't have service up there all day, anyways. But so, yeah, I leave my phone on airplane mode. I let my music play. I listen to podcasts. It's all I do. Right. And until I get back to the house, that's when my phone gets turned on. I'll watch a couple of TikToks. I'll answer a couple of phone calls. And then after that, I go to bed. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, <clears throat> if you can't leave it at home, dude, like, take half the day and go get the shit sorted out. And then, you know, be on it the rest of the week. Be be good to go. But you're definitely right about the safety aspect of stuff. Like, you got to have your head in the game when you're running equipment or stuff can go pretty sideways pretty quick. Yeah, no, and I, I ain't even gonna lie. Like, I've had days where my, my head wasn't completely in. I was cutting timber, and I, like, I walk up, I put all my stuff on, put my belt on, grab my saw, start walking around the landing, and I turn around and just walk back and look at my boss and say, hey, I'm not mentally here today. Like, logging gods aren't looking down on me, right? Like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Well, dude, it's like, that's, rather- yeah, it's tough because you don't want to be that guy, you know? Everyone's always on a deadline and stuff, but at the same time, like, at some point, you gotta make that call, like, hey, I, you know, I got to get some yeah, shit figured out that, so I can come back tomorrow. I'd rather be the asshole that says, hey, I got to take the day off, and then I can, I, I'll cut Saturday, I'll do something else to make up for it. But I'd rather be that guy rather than being the guy that has to make somebody else on the crew call and say, hey, like, he's not coming home. Right. So let me ask so you I, this, I at, dude. Um, it's kind of a hot topic right now. Like, that, this all kind of is coming into the men's hinta, mental health side of things, like, Men don't talk about this shit. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to go to work and be like, hey, look, you know, sorry, but me and the old lady are still arguing about something and I can't get it off my mind. Like, I got to go get this sorted out before I can work today. You know, because usually you just get told, well, get in the fucking truck, pussy. Let's go to work. You know what I mean? But um, have you seen some of that stuff start to change for the better down there where you're at? Yes, in the aspect, but it's like, 
there's still the guys out there that are like, I'm one of them. Like, there's certain people that are just too hard to admit it at times, and I I do that too. Like, I'll admit, like, hey, I'm too hard to like, I'm too hard to say I'm 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 upset or I'm down or whatever. But I look at it in the safety aspect of, hey, I'd rather be home safe. I'd rather make sure everybody else is going to be safe. And it's like I, I try to be that guy around all my crew members and around my guy, like my buddies and stuff. Like, hey, dude, like if you're good, like if you're not good, dude, go sit in the pickup, take a nap until you, and then wake up and see if you're feeling better. If you're not, go back to sleep. Right. Like I, I would rather all my buddies know that I'm there and trying to take care of them, and all my crew members know, like, hey, like thanks for having my back or anything. Rather than having to be the guy to be like having to call somebody's wife and say, like, "Hey, sorry, but they're not going to make it home for dinner tonight or whatever," because that is the shittiest feeling in the world to have to deal with. Yeah, I can't imagine, dude. I don't want to ever have to know what that feels like. But that's yeah, not a good feeling. <laughs> you know, it's just um, this industry is kind of one of those industries that's always been like the baddest motherfuckers are the guys working out in the woods. You know, like. These guys are all over the place all day long. Like some badass dudes work in the woods, but like, and the mental health side of it, it's always just been like, Oh, that guy's just being a pussy, you know, he'll get over it or whatever. And it's like, eh, maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? So it's, it's cool to hear that people are starting to look out for that too. Cause like, I didn't realize it till, I don't know. I was, it was probably like when I got off from work, when I quit working on the road, dude, but like your mental health just gets hammered when you're working all the time. You know what I mean? Like there's no time for nothing. And it's like, you know, that's what you signed up for. But at the same time, it wears a guy out. Yeah, no, dude. And that's the whole thing is like working away from home. You're, you're missing. The hard thing is, is traveling for work a lot. And I travel for work a lot, and, but I'm a single guy, so I, I can get, I can deal with it, and all my buddies work with me. So like that's a, that's a plus side for me. But there's a lot of guys out there that they're 47 years old, 37 years old, however old they are, they're away from their two kids, their wife, a family emergency happens, and they're seven hours away from home. That seven hours, like something could happen in 10 minutes that you can't handle, right? Like, it's just the aspect of not being able, like being on the road, you're missing birthdays, you're missing funerals, you're missing shit, you're missing your kids grow up, you're missing a lot of life. But at the same time, it's like that's the hard thing with logging and a lot of these jobs that go on the road. Like, if logging is, especially for me, like you have to have the, the mental capacity and the mental strength to do the job. It's not just being the tough motherfucker that's going out there and swinging a saw all day. Yep. It's you being the most mentally strong motherfucker out there that can swing that saw and do it safely and have your head all gathered up knowing that you're doing it for a purpose. Yeah, dude, you totally got to have you. You've got to be able to keep your wits about you every day, all day when you're out there. And it's, uh, I think it's just something that I like to talk about, you know, because people need to think about it, man. Like, you can just tell a guy, hey, man, you know, quit being a bitch or whatever. But, you know, maybe the guy just lost a family member or something, you know. But it's like men don't talk about this shit. There's probably still going to be some people listening to this go, oh, you guys are just a bunch of pussy kids and stuff. But it's like, um, especially like in construction, man, there's a lot of guys that work on the road all the time that take their own lives and stuff from being depressed or whatever else. And this is another one of those industries that's pretty demanding and i think uh it's a good thing to kind of bring some awareness to hey everybody this episode of the landing is sponsored by emerald valley thinning evt is a local logging outfit they've been around quite a while they've got year-round work around Venita, oregon and they're currently taking applications for rigging hands shovel operators and a low boy driver they offer a handful of benefits and competitive wages if you're lucky, you might get to work with frickin' Dusty. And the guys around, they'll get a chuckle out of that. Dusty's a cool dude. If this sounds like a job that's interested to you, call or text Travis at 541-929-5035. Travis says for listeners of the Landing Podcast, the extra bonus he'll throw in if you get hired on, you'll receive a free physical, free drug test, and an EVT hat. I heard, though, you've got to pass the drug test to get the hat. No shortcuts around here. If you want to hear more about Travis and that outfit, check out episode nine of this podcast.
Yeah, but I try to advocate for that stuff a lot. Like a lot of a lot of my stuff, I try to advocate for is men's mental health. Like I always constantly want to make sure that everybody's okay. Like I don't ever want to make somebody feel like they're alone and they're going through something by themselves. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, like you just said, like oh, you're just a dumb pussy." Yeah. I don't understand why you're in the woods. It's, Definitely going to get I'm in the it, woods. Dude. I don't even care because at the end of the day. I know I'm still that same person. I ain't going to change for nobody besides myself. I want myself to be the best person I can be for all my buddies and everybody else around me. I, want to, I surround myself with, I surround myself with good people and they surround, they give me the stuff that I give them. They show me respect. I show them respect and I live my life by that. And I'm very happy about it. That's cool, man. That's, that's the best way to be really. You know what I mean? Like I was talking about this with my wife the other day and since, um, since I've gone full time with my business and, and even since I just started my business, you know, it's been different. Like you work with a lot of people and you're, you know, I'm trying to get along with everybody. Right. But, um, there's definitely one thing that's for sure is that you're going to become friends with your customers long before a lot of your friends are going to be your customer when you get into business. And, uh, I kind of struggled with that a little bit for a little while even, dude, because people are like, oh, it must be nice, dude. And I'm like, man, I went to bed at 1.30 last night, and I'm here at work at 5, like trying to make everything work and keep my business going. And it's like it just gets tiring, you know what I mean? And so I try and support all my friends, dude, like try and be there for people, and I try to be that guy that I say I am, you know what I mean? And some days it's fucking yeah. hard, dude. No, yeah, and I get that. And it's like, like when you and Darren and Paul were talking on that last pod I listed to you guys had, and you guys are talking about all that shit. And it's like, if you want to be your own boss, then you might as well go work for another motherfucker because you got seven other bosses. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's exactly and how it like, is. And it really is. And that's like, me, I, I'm i a young kid. I have a lot of goals in life. Like, I would love to be the first guy I don't know if I'd be the first guy. I don't know if that's the thing around here. I would love to buy a tether machine and buy a buncher and be the first guy around California because there is work for one around here. Right. Like there's ground that guys can't go down with a buncher without a tether on it. Then they have to handcuff down. Like if you could do that, you could bring in a whole new aspect to the industry around here. And it's like, but I would rather work for a guy who's going to take care of me and be good to me rather than work for myself because I couldn't do what you have to like how you're doing with your own business. You, like you just said, you went to bed at one o'clock the other morning. Like, dude, I don't want to have to deal with all the like headaches of, Oh shit. Does Jimmy John down the road have enough diesel to get through work tomorrow? Oh shit. Does the truck driver have tires on that truck that I need to go buy? still? Oh, do they have wrenches and do they need hoses? Right. dude. And then you get to deal with, Oh, Tom and Jerry haven't paid their invoice for like 34 days. You know, or like this guy's 60 days out from when his bill was due. So you got to call him and then they're not answering. And you know, it's a whole runaround whole thing. But there's definitely a lot yeah. to having a business that I have not even experienced yet. But like I sit here sometimes and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm an idiot, you know. But at the same time, the other day I had lunch with my daughter and my wife because my wife's a school teacher, so she's off for summer. My daughter's four, so she's just having a blast. But I'm like, this is what it's all about right here. You know what I mean? I'm still going to work 80 hours this week, but, like, I could take 45 minutes right now and have lunch with the girls. And it's always those little things that mean the most. Yeah, especially when it comes to family, dude. You don't, you don't get that time back, you know what I mean? No, you don't get. You, you can't watch your kids grow up through a screen, dude. You can't watch your kids grow up through a picture that your old lady sending to you from when you're seven hours away. Yeah, dude. So, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Like, still gonna keep working with this outfit and try and move up, or what are your plans for that? Uh, as of right now, I'd rather. I wanted to stay with this outfit. This outfit I work for. It's a good outfit. Like it's got good guys. Everybody here, they take care of each other. Everybody has each other's backs. Like my first week here, I I didn't have uh, any groceries because we were staying out of town. I didn't have any groceries. All the guys just pitched in and gave me groceries, and I was like, dude, this is badass. Like, and my boss, he takes care of me. We have nice equipment. We have company cards. We have everything is always taken care of. Everything is always talked about. 
safety is the number one priority. Everybody make sure they have proper PPE. He hands you everything you need the first day you're here. He buys the saws. Everything that you need is here. Like, you don't have to be like, hey, I need this. Oh, can you get through like three more months of running those buncher teeth that are duller and shit? <laughs> no. He, he, he tosses me a card and says, here, go down and buy a brand new bunch of teeth if you need them. That's cool. So it's like, I, I would rather just stay here at this company. I'd love to. I'd love to have maybe the opportunity to continue work here. And then possibly like how I talked about maybe investing in a, a buncher or another piece of equipment and subcontracting it out to them or something. Right. That's cool, man. But it's always neat to hear about people working for good outfits. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think most outfits are pretty good these days. Like there used to be some pretty shit contractors running around out in the woods. And I think a lot of them are gone now for the most part, but it's nice to hear about companies that are taking care of their guys. Yeah. It's, it's a really good feeling to get up. Cause I really enjoy being in the woods. Like I've, I've tried to leave the woods multiple times. Like there's been a couple of jobs that I've left for. I went and did dirt work for a little bit. And then I always somehow wind up back in the woods and it's, it's really good to wake up in the morning and know that you're a valued employee and that you're and it's known that you're a valued employee. Like you get treated well, like everybody in this outfit gets treated very well. We all get treated great. We all treat each other great. And it's a, it's a great feeling to wake up in the morning and happy and, and very happy that you love your job and that you want to go to work every day. I think that's a big point too, that you just hit right there is that, you know, from what it sounds like to me is that you feel like, you're the company you're working for gives a shit about you and that you have purpose there. And I think that's one of the big things with younger folks that the older generations don't really care about. Right. Like these, some of these old guys are like, yeah, I got a job. I got to do this job. And that's that. But it's like, I feel like a lot of these younger guys need to feel like they have that purpose every day. You know what I mean? To be truly happy at a job. And it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's it's just a difference in people, right? Like people change as the generations go on. And I think that's where everything's going. It's like the companies that are taking care of their folks, got them in good equipment. People don't have to worry about like, oh, is this thing even going to start tomorrow so I can work? Like that makes a big difference on a guy when he's working somewhere where he feels like he's making a difference. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, when I go to work in the morning, I don't want to have to go toss the key. This fucker turns over. Hopefully one of the <laughs> hydraulic lines that didn't need to be replaced for the last 10 months hasn't blown. Right. It's nice to be able to just to hop in a machine that and it's like, it's just, and it's little things with the company that makes you happy to work there. It's like having an electric grease gun, dude, as stupid as it sounds, having an electric grease gun, like that is a big, like cool thing to have. Cause there's guys out there that are using those hand pump grease guns try to grease a bunch of processes like those will have fuckers have a lot of dirt yeah dude there's like 120 grease points on a buncher probably oh there's a shit time i have to like put like six tubes of grease in my buncher every fucking other day right now that's cool man so you guys work a lot away from home like how far from home are you working right now uh right now i'm about two hours away from my from home but we don't so we just kind of all go where the work is. So like we have work at home, but during the summertime we'll travel for work a lot. And then when wintertime hits, we'll go home and work. Okay. So that way it's like wintertime hits. We can't work out in here because there's eight feet of snow, but back home we can work because there's no, there's like an inch of snow or two or a foot of snow. Gotcha. So, and it's like when we get sent out of town, it's not like we're away from home really because the places he puts us up in, he puts us up in these really nice, like he gets really nice Airbnbs. He puts us up in really nice places. If we're like, the next job we're going to is up in Mammoth and he's getting us like places to put our tra our travel trailers and stuff. So we're having like a giant convoy travel trailers up there. It's like those stupid little things means a lot. Yeah, dude, it's a totally different ball game when you're not getting expected to like stay in a bed bug hotel. Yeah, that was one of the things I hated about working out of town when I was a welding pipe dude. Is is like you only got so much a day for per diem, but like you know, one outfit when I was in Portland, we were getting eighty five dollars a day per diem. Try and find a motel in Portland for eighty five bucks a day where you're not going to get scabies. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah. you're always trying to find somebody that's working night shift on the shutdown you're on and split a room with them, and hopefully there's two queen beds so you're not sleeping in the same bed. You know what I mean? It's just weird. Yeah, no, that's what I like about here. Like, he, he won't put us in something that he wouldn't sleep in. That's, and that's cool. what I like about working. That's what I like about working for this outfit for this guy so much is he, he's not going to ask you to do something that he hasn't done or he won't do himself. That's cool. So, uh, if you had some advice to somebody who's wanting to get into the industry, what is your opinion on the best way for someone, you know, that doesn't have a background in it? How would they get a job in the industry or what should they, how should they go about it? I guess is like, what's your advice to, for that? How I would say that the advice I would give to somebody that's not having any background in the industry and want to get into it is, Grow either have a love or grow a love for the woods and grow a love for wanting to do this job and grind your teeth and cut your teeth and eat the shit sandwiches at your cost. Because at the end of the day, like if you're that kid that's going out there and you're the greenhorn and you're working circles around the guy who's been there for three or four years or seven years or however long, just to prove yourself and show that you're working your ass off and you don't want anything else besides just to show that you're worth it. If you can do that, then you'll make it a far, far in this industry. Like you have to grit your teeth to do this job. You have to have that love for it. You have to want to wake up in the morning, put your boots on and go to work. You can't just dilly dick around and be like, I want to go play out in the woods for a little bit and play longer. You can't do that. Like, and the biggest thing that I was always taught and pushed in my head was never ever be opposed to learning something. Don't ever quit learning. Like, I always tell people, like, the day you quit learning is the day you need to get out of the woods because that is the day you're going to get hurt or something's going to happen, and it's not worth it. Because I've had dudes that have been in the industry for a month, never known shit, don't even know how to run a chainsaw, walk up to me and tell me something. I'm going, oh, oh shit, I didn't even think of that, dude. Thank you. Like, that's smart. Like, that's cool word. And then it's like, I've had guys that have been in the industry their whole life, and they've told me stuff. And I'm like, I'm always wanting to learn something. So I don't go home at the end of the day and not learning something new, like, I don't think I did a good day. I don't think I had a good day that day. I think that's pretty cool though, dude, that you are open enough to still even be learning from some of these green people. Cause I know a lot of people that, uh, they wouldn't give that any thought, you know, they'd be like, Oh, that guy doesn't know shit. I'm not going to listen to him. That's uh, I think that says a lot about your character, man. That's, that's awesome. I really appreciate that, man. Cause you know what I mean? You've been around those guys, you know, if you're, you're under 50 years old and you know, it doesn't matter if you've been working since you're 16, that it doesn't matter what you say. You don't know shit, you know? So it's like, it's nice to hear that, you know, like I said, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's I, cool. I'd rather, I'd rather try to, if some guy has no experience says, Hey, like you're sitting there fighting, doing something. So you're fighting, putting a, a, a machine head or you're switching a bunch of head or something over the masticator or something, something stupid. And you're fighting it, and you're fighting it, and you're just you're pissed off. You're not seeing straight. And that green guy walks over and says, "Hey, like, why don't you try it this way?" And you sit there and you stop and you go, "Shit, let's try it." You try right. it. Hey, it worked. It worked out. Yeah. Or if it didn't work out, if it didn't work out, cool. Yeah, now it's still worth trying, that. though. You know. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not opposed to ever like. I tell a lot of guys like I was fortunate with a lot of the older guys. Like a lot of the older guys that I worked with. They were old, mean, broody assholes. But looking back now, I'm like, I'm happy I listened to every little thing those guys said. I'm happy that they would take the time to see this dumb little kid out in the woods, and they would take the time to teach me something. So it's like if I can stop and listen to something that somebody else has to tell me, no matter how experienced they are or not, then I'm going to take the opportunity to learn from something from it or not. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. What else do I have on the list here? Uh, there for a while, I was asking everybody what their favorite energy drinks were, and I want to bring that one back. You got a favorite energy drink? I'm going on a big Red Bull kick. Red Bull? Okay. Yeah, them Red Bulls. They got them new, like, I think they're called, like, the Breeze Berry or some shit. Some things are pretty damn good. Dude. I even see a lot of trend on TikTok where they've been doing the uh, blue-collar mimosas where you dump orange juice and Red Bull together. Yeah. I've been drinking a lot of that. For real? Yeah, dude, it's actually pretty good. I just saw one of those like yesterday, and I was like, "Man, that's either gonna be good or gross." 
it's pretty good, dude. Huh. I'm gonna have to try it out. I went down and I shot the big hill jam in Yonkala like weekend before last or whatever. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that. It was dude, that's a really cool event. Like it's worth going to. I mean, I don't know if it'd be worth driving from the middle of California to, but it might be if you're into motocross stuff. But uh the is sponsored by Monster Energy, right? And so they had this booth out there and they're just literally handing out free monster cans. And I'm like, I'm kind of tired, you know, like the hills kicking my ass cuz it's steep and rocky and like packing all this camera gear and the lady's like you want one and i was like yeah how much are they she's like they're free just pick one we'll give you one and uh i was like no shit right like this is my lucky day but they got give me a case of them (laughs) yeah right like i'll just roll one of those coolers back to my pickup real quick but uh (laughs) they, they got this monster reserve like orange dreamsicle Bro, mm-hmm. I'm into orange like drinks anyways. That shit's good. I'll have to give that a try. Because I, I don't really drink energy drinks. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like, I've been losing weight, trying to keep it going. And uh, I was like, I'll try one, you know, because I'm beat. And I was like, oh, shit, these are good. And then I was at the store by my house the other, uh, yesterday, and I was like, oh, no, they have them. I got to get one. <laughs> so now I've got to wean myself <laughs> back off the monster. Oh shit! <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I can't believe they're just giving them away for free. Like, I need to get Monster to sponsor something I'm up to. Yeah, no, dude. I used to race motocross. Dude, I used to fucking give them out at all the events and everything. Yeah, dude. It's like um, they used to have the Copenhagen people used to be like at the rodeos and stuff, giving out the sample cans. I always thought that was rad. Yeah. When I was like nineteen, I could buy snooze. So I was like, oh. Snapple or like a little sample can, you know? Yeah, no, dude, that's what I missed that too. I, hell, I missed back when I was like a little bit. Oh fuck, I, I can't say way back then because I'm so young. But like <laughs> a couple years back, dude, back when Copenhagen was like three dollars, five dollars a can. Now it's just like ten dollars a can down here in California. Is it really, dude? Yeah, dude. I buy like every time I buy a log, it's almost like fifty bucks. Yuck. Well, it's not too far off. It's 36, I think, here at Costco. Damn, dude, I'm about to come up there and stock up on the Copenhagen. Dude, we're going to have to go like to a res somewhere and get some tobacco products. <laughs> Shit, I'll take a trip <laughs> up there. One of my buddies is out of uh, using Eugene. Okay. What's uh. Yeah, he's... Is he working in the woods too? No, he's uh, he does dirt work up there. He's doing the. Um... He's doing a big old, like, I guess Amazon or some shit up there. Oh, gotcha. Huh. That's cool. But, yeah, dude, it's, um, t- everything's expensive nowadays. Yeah, it seems like gas, diesel, fucking everything's expensive, dude. Saw gas or, like, just saw mix especially going up. Dude, I, um, I put an L tank in my pickup, and everybody's like, oh, you're just trying to look like an equipment operator? And I was like, no, you know, I'm really not trying to fake anything. But, like, uh, I was been about a month ago now. The One of the 7-Eleven gas stations in Eugene, they're selling diesel for four fifty three a gallon. So I oh, went, shit. and, dude, I filled up my L tank, right? Like, I can get a little over three tanks out of my L tank in my pickup, right? So I'm like, hey, three fifty three a gallon instead of four seventy. Like, I'm going to go get as much of that as I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's nice. Like, uh, I shot a job for Oxbow up out of Pendleton and like, I would just fill fill up my L tank here in town. But like you go up into Portland and stuff, dude, it's like five bucks a gallon around five bucks a gallon for diesel up there. And if you go even further North, it's worse. So it's like, you know, people are like, Oh, are you trying to look like an operator? I'm like, no dude, I'm trying to save myself some money. Like I'll buy fuel at, you know, whatever it is, four fifty or something here. I go up out of Seattle, you know, and it's like five oh five thirteen or something. Last time I was up there, I was like, yeah, I'll just uh, pull over on the side of the freeway and fill up my tank for a lot buy less, that, you know. Buy that shit in bulk. Yeah, dude, you buy a hundred gallons at a time. It's like you can kind of, if you're not running too hard, you can kind of wait around and you know buy it when it dips. Yeah, yeah start buying that cherry flavored shit. 
Dude, I, I wish I had the, the groin to do that. I get worried I'll get my tank dipped. Yeah, that's a lot of the guys around here. I got a couple buddies that we, they have Duramaxes and shit, and they run that cherry flavor too. And I'm like, dude, you guys are ballsy. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, so when I used to live in Crestwell, there's a fuel station there. They'll sell you uh, off-road price, but it's green fuel. But they make you, like, mm-hmm. they take your name and your address every time you buy off-road. And I'm like, nah, I don't want them to be like, hey, you bought a 1,000 gallons of off-road last year. What are you burning it in? Yeah, that's, it's a shitty thing that you don't have a tracker. If you have, like, a, that's one thing. Sorry about having a logging business. If you had a logging business, you can kind of get away with it. <laughs> right? But, yeah, I put it in my puncher. Why? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't have that yet, so we'll see. I yeah, don't know, man. You better be- you better be burning a lot more than a thousand gallons a year. Right. That's the thing, right? It's like, you know, they get the the list or whatever from the gas station. It's like, well, this guy bought a thousand gallons of off-road and all he has is a pickup. Like, eh, red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I think that's about all I have, unless you want to, if there's anything you want to add. No, I don't think I got anything else. Well, Denny. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for following along to the the social media stuff I've been up to, and I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Let me come on and tell my story and keep up what you've been doing, dude. Well, thanks, man. I'll uh, This one's probably going up this week, so everybody will be, get to listen okay. to this one pretty fresh. Pretty cool, dude. Thanks. Yeah, man. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>